Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Good morning. Oh, wow. So I had some, I have some really, really great stuff to teach out of Second Peter. I mean, I've been so excited to teach this and talk about it. But we're not going to Second Peter today. <laughs> but I promise it's good. Just take my word for it. Hopefully we will get to come back to it. Thank you, bud. But the other day in just my own personal time, I... Uh, just had an encounter with the Lord about hope and just couldn't get away from it. So this morning, we're going to talk about hope. I don't have a sermon for you, but I have some stuff to give you. How about that? Does that work? Hope. Webster's definition of hope is a feeling of trust and expectation. I can hear myself already. Trust and expectation. That's just Webster's Dictionary, uh, which is a great definition. I love the way he defined it. But the word in the Bible, the Greek word used where we translated it to trust, the Greek word there actually means anticipate. So hope is an anticipation. Now, I know this may sound weird, but the way this is the way it worked for me. When... God started taking me into this on hope and anticipation. The way he began to show it to me, he said, how do you anticipate a car wreck? I was like, that's extreme. But my first thought was, when you're anticipating a wreck, you brace for impact. Y'all with me? So he began to show me hope from this point of view of an anticipation that's bracing for what I'm about to run into. Y'all catch up in a minute. So in this, he began to declare uh, in prayer, Holy Spirit just began to declare, we have this hope in Christ Jesus. We have this hope in Christ Jesus. And I had a story that I had planned to connect to Second Peter that I thought was really gonna go with that other stuff I have to teach you. But then he took me, and if you wanna go ahead and jump to Mark chapter nine, he began to take me into this story and pull out the hope, what hope looks like, some characteristics of hope, and just begin to talk about us as Life Church, as a body. Where are we at? What are we dealing with? What are you going through? What's happening in your life? Where could you use some hope? Before I get into the th scriptures, I, in prayer, I begin to ask God the question because, to be honest, I didn't really know. So I begin to ask, what's the difference between hope and faith? Because they're so interchangeable. They seem, and a lot of the characteristics overlap one another. And there's a lot of the same things. So I begin to just be honest and ask God, I need to know. I don't want to just get the definition of one, the definition of the other, and see what's different. I want to know what's the difference. And so, Holy Spirit spoke to me in my prayer time and said, hope is personal. Can faith be personal? Yes. But hope is defined by, characterized, and wrapped up in the idea that it's personal. Yeah. 
Now, based on that, let's look at this story in Mark chapter 9. Uh, I'm going to try to keep up with you all on the screen right here. Mark chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 1. You all ready? And he said unto them, Nope, that's not right. Where did I miss it? What am I wrong at, Colby? Help me. 14. <laughs> not 1, 14. Mark 9, verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes, and the scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him, and he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Now we're going to stop right here. What's happening here, the context of this story is there's a, there's a man whose boy, his young child, has a spirit that's causing him to be thrown into fire and thrown into water, and it's just trying to kill him, and all this stuff's happening to this boy. So the man brings the boy to the disciples so that the disciples would, do, would cast out the spirit and heal the young boy, okay? So in the context of that, Jesus, along with Peter, James, and John, are just now coming off the Mount of Transfiguration, if you know the story. So there's actually only nine disciples down here, and those nine disciples could not cast out the demon. They could not heal the boy. And in not being able to, it created a discussion with them and the Pharisees. So while this discussion is going on, Jesus, Peter, James, and John walk up on the discussion after just having the experience on the mountain. And Jesus asks, what's the deal? What are y'all discussing? Why is this argument taking place? What's going on here? Uh, what are you discussing with them? Then one, crowd, one in the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth. He becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered, Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. I love the confidence. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed and foaming at the mouth. So Jesus asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. And often has thrown him both into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus goes on, casts out the demon, heals the little boy. The situation's changed. What I want you to see is the progression that's happening in this story. This man brings his son to the disciples with a great expectation that they are about to heal this young man, cast this demon out. When he shows up and they cannot, a discussion breaks out in the moment. Let me warn some people in here right now. When some things that you expected to happen in your life don't happen, be very careful who you start discussing it with. They turned to the religious elite 
and begin to have a discussion about why this wasn't happening. What they did was turn to someone who had a good reason for why it didn't happen. They had some biblical scriptures that they apparently took out of context so they could prove their point. I almost threw out some doctrine and denomination, but we're not. You see what I'm saying? They knew some stuff. They knew some stuff. And so all of a sudden, a discussion breaks out. And I love the way Jesus handles this. Hey, what y'all discussing with my disciples? I like how he points at the Pharisees. Like, why are you talking to them? Oh, I forgot. Y'all see Jesus as that little baby in the manger, and he's petting the lamb. That's your Jesus, huh? Not my Jesus. My Jesus shows up and wrecks shop. He'll braid a whip and flip over some tables. Come on now. Anyway. So this is what happened. He comes up on the scene. But I want you to pay attention to the man whose boy is sick. He comes and says, I brought him to your disciples so that they could heal him, so that things would be changed. But when they couldn't, notice how he talks to Jesus. But if you can do anything. You see the transformation? I brought him because he was going to be healed, and it didn't happen. Well, well, if you can do anything, have pity on us. You didn't come for pity. You came for a healing. Be very careful that you don't change what you want out of your situation based on what's happened so far. Because some of you are in some situations where you need the miraculous hand of God to move, and you're settling for his pity. If, he said, if. If, if you can do something about it. And the King James Version, I feel like, doesn't give it the, the oomph that this moment has. And when you begin to read it in some other versions, especially if you pull from the Aramaic, Jesus' response is actually, what do you mean, if? Oh, come on now. Jesus said, what do you mean, if I can heal him? If you have faith, anything's possible. In other words, he's letting him know very quick, the problem's not me. The problem is my knuckle-headed disciples who ain't walking on the level that I've called them to walk on. Oh, come on. That's too much responsibility there. He said, what do you mean, if I can heal him? I healed the deaf, I healed the blind, I raised the dead, I've walked on water. What do you mean if? There is no if when it comes to Jesus. There is no maybe or can you or could you. It's, I, it's, it's accomplished. So he turns the attention back to the man and says, if you can believe, anything's possible. You know what that meant? If you really believed, I wouldn't even have to be standing here. Mm, where do we go with this? Let's talk about hope. But if you can do anything, have pity on us. Help us. And Jesus said, what do you mean if? If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears. This is where I want to I capitalize. The father cries out and says with tears, I believe, but help my unbelief. Did you know that you can have both at one time? See, what God began to show me about this situation, because remember I told you hope is personal. And I believe with everything in me, God was revealing to me that in this man's heart, he had faith in God, but no hope for his situation. 
I'm going to say it again. Too often we have faith in God, we just don't have hope for our situation. In other words, I believe God is who he says he is. And I believe God will take Colby and heal the sick. And I believe God will speak to Kenny. And I believe God. But when it's hope for my situation, all of a sudden it becomes, well, you know, if, if you can. Or the real, the real religious cop out is, if it's your will. If it's your will, God, please do everything Jesus paid for. Hope. Hope. See, too often our hope is tied to the time, the longevity, the when and where and how it happens. And so this man meets his first obstacle where his boy is not healed by the disciples who were supposed to be able to do it. As a matter of fact, I can prove to you that they were because before this, in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, Jesus called the twelve to himself and sent them out two by two and gave them power over every unclean spirit. Every unclean spirit, they had power over it. Then in 12, it says, so they went out, preached that everybody should repent, and they cast out many demons and healed the sick. And what's awesome is after that, it says, and then the king heard about Jesus. Jesus got famous when they started doing this. But what I want you to see is this man came with the expectation that they were supposed to be able to do what he was asking them to do, to heal his boy. And it doesn't happen the first time. So his expectation goes from I'm bringing him to be healed to if you can do something, at least have pity on us. Where's the hope? We have come to a place where we have lots of expectation and faith in God, who he is and what he can do for someone but we're lacking in the area of hope for our own personal situations. We live with infirmities and hang-ups and bad mindsets and, and so many different things because we have no hope for our personal situation. There's no hope for what it does for me. So I want to go through and look at some scriptures. I want to pull some scriptures out of here. Uh, there's so much teaching to be done in this story, especially that Jesus goes on and when they ask, why couldn't we cast out this demon? And Jesus says, this kind only comes by prayer and fasting. There's so much to be taught there. And you're probably fixing to get a lot of it over the next month or two. So we're not going to go there and deal with the day because I want to stick to this idea of hope. And I want to pull some scriptures and begin to inject some hope into you here today. So I want you all to run with me, okay? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. We'll read 19 and 20. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us. Man, they started singing earlier in worship that uh, I prepare a way because you prepared a way. Man, this is so good. Where the forerunner has entered for us, Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Why did I add that last part? What does that have to do with anything? Uh, the order of Melchizedek is the idea that he was considered called the king of peace because he was the king of Salem, and Salem means peace. So I want you to understand here that 100% of the time, hope is connected to peace. So if you're not experiencing peace, it's because of a lack of hope. 
This hope is an anchor for my soul because Jesus went in as the king of peace and created this for me. But what I want you to show, hope is an anchor. What does an anchor do? Holds you steady. Holds you where you are. It says sure and steadfast. What is the soul? The soul is your mind and your emotions. So hope is what holds steady my mind and my emotions. If your mind is all over the place, it's because you have no hope. If your emotions are like this, you're not connected to that anchor called hope. And your emotions can be tossed with every wave, every doctrine, every circumstance, every time it's a no, every time it doesn't happen like you're supposed to. Your emotions are just riding that wave. But hope holds me steady to say, I don't care what it looks like right now. I know that he went in as, as Melchizedek and he has created a way for me to be here in this moment. It's hope. It's an anchor for my mind, my emotions. It holds me steady. One of the scriptures that we like to quote a lot in our, uh, just the guys we run with is out of Luke and it says, by patience, possess your souls. To possess your soul. You should be in possession of your emotions, not the other way around. You should be in possession of your mind, not the other way around. Hope is the thing that holds me steady to be able to do that. That my mind doesn't get the opportunity to run to the negative side of things when I have hope. When I have hope, I heard somebody share it the other day and they were talking about a renewed mind. Y'all probably heard this from Chris. When he was talking about a renewed mind, he said, the thing is, a lot of times, say you have a teenager that's at the age of driving and they're running 15 minutes late. How often does your mind go to, oh my gosh, something happened. <coughs> something bad. They got arrested. <laughs> that's really bad. They got in a wreck. It's, it's the negative pull of our mind and our emotions. But it's hope that brings those things in. It's a trust it's an anticipation of his goodness that allows me to be anchored and steady that my mind doesn't get to wander into negative places that have, what we're doing is by faith creating a lot of the negative things we live in because we think them up first. We anticipate them. Scott shared a story with me the other day of, of um, a woman had gotten into a really bad car wreck. I think it was Scott or maybe you had gotten into a really bad car wreck. And because the wreck was so bad, from then on, she, when she would drive, she was a nervous wreck because she was anticipating it to happen again. She had never been in a wreck up until what, her 20s or 30s or something like that? After that wreck, she had seven in one year because of the mindset of always, oh my God, I'm about to get in, I'm about to get in a wreck. They're, they're about to hit me there. And the anticipation began to create the reality that she was living in. You see what I'm saying? So what hope does, hope begins to anticipate on a level that it begins to create the reality of what I'm anticipating. I anticipate his goodness. Remember last time we were together and we declared with David, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. I anticipate his goodness to chase me down. And in doing so, I begin to live in a reality that was anticipated. Hope. Hope. It's the anticipation. It's me bracing for the impact of his goodness. How many of us live bracing for the impact of something bad to happen in your life? Come on, our entire, most people's entire eschatology, which is your 
belief of how this thing's gonna end is based on me bracing for it to get really bad. It's quiet. It's quiet because I'm right. It's going to get really bad, brother, and then hopefully Jesus will suck us out of here. What if I actually live with some hope? No, it ain't going to get bad. It's going to be revival. And there's all these ideas of, why isn't America represented in the Bible? For one, because we'd be too arrogant and cocky like we are most of the time. But two, I believe, because when God does come get us, America will be gone because of revival. You see what I'm saying? There won't be enough of us left here because revival will change us in such a way. So I begin to live in a mindset that I'm bracing for it to get better. I'm expecting things to get better. I expect an impact with his goodness, not with negativity. Hope, hope. Some of us just need some hope about our community. Some of you need to start anticipating that your community can be better. And if you don't think it can be better, please stop talking about it. Allow some people with some anticipation of hope to begin to declare things over your city and your family and your finances and your circumstances and your health and your well-being. Where is the personal hope in the church? Hope, it anchors me. Romans 5 and 1 tells us that hope does not disappoint. Actually, Romans 5, 1 through 5. Hope does not disappoint. If you feel like your life is one disappointment after another, maybe it's because you have no hope and you're anticipating it to be one disappointment after the other. Because the just shall live by faith and your world you live in is framed by what you anticipate. And we're anticipating something bad. We live in something bad. Hope. Hope is always 100% of the time connected to peace. I want to live in peace. Jesus told him before he left, I give you my peace. I want you to have my peace, my joy, the fullness of this. That's what I want to live in. I want to be characterized by living in peace because how rare is it to find somebody who is in full peace? Just has peace about life. It's rare. It's rare because it's connected to hope and it's hard to find hopeful people. I'm not taking shots at your faith in God. I believe that you have faith in God to a degree, but I just think we don't have a lot of hope for our own personal situations, for our own personal families. I love Psalm 16 and 9, if you want to write it down. He says, which is also quoted again by Luke in Acts chapter 2, but in Psalm 16 and 9, he says, my flesh shall rest in hope. I love this. Not my spirit, not my soul, my flesh, me, myself. I can rest when I have hope. I sleep good at night because I have hope. I don't have to toss and turn and worry and concern and fret and anticipate the bad things that are going to happen. I can physically rest when I have hope. So hope is an anchor. It keeps you steady. Hope is always connected to peace. Hope is where we find rest. 
1 John 3 and 3 actually says, those that have this hope purify themselves as he is pure. I love this concept. When you have a hope of who he is, what he does, what's happening, it says, I purify myself. I begin to take on some responsibility, some personal responsibility to purify, to make right. Why? Because I'm anticipating an impact with him. And when I impact him, I want to be pure as him. I want to live in such a place of hope that I'm expecting to run into him around every corner. That I take the necessary steps. One of the scriptures that came out last night as some of us guys were meeting was make no provisions for the flesh. That we start taking scriptures like this and they become our life and our reality. That we're making no provisions for our flesh. We are purifying ourselves. We are detoxing our spirit. And why? Because I have hope in who he is. I have hope in that he is coming. I have hope that he wants to be with me. Hope equals purity. And I want to really, this is where we're going to kind of hang our hat today. Colossians 1.27. I have it on here. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I love this scripture, and I've always been a fan of this scripture, but I don't think I've ever understood it like it was brought out to me this week. And he began to show me that when Moses had the encounter with God on the mountain, he said, God, show me your what? Your glory. God, show me your glory. Those of you that know the story, what did God show him? His goodness. So when Moses said glory, God presented his glory in his manifested goodness. You see the connection? So what I want you to understand that is when you read this scripture, Christ in you is the hope of the manifest goodness of God. What is the mystery? That Christ in you is the hope of the manifest goodness of God in your life. This scripture is not talking about one day by and by when I die and I'm taken out of here. No, he's saying if Christ is living in you, then you have the hope of encountering the manifest goodness of God in your life. And if you take the definition we now have of hope and this definition of glory, this scripture reads, Christ in you is the anticipation of the manifest goodness of God in my life. What does hope do for us? Hope puts me in a place where I live with an anticipation that I'm going to encounter his goodness. Whether it's in my physical body, it's in my family, it's in my job, whatever it may be. If if you have hope, you live with this anticipation that his goodness is going to manifest. That some way, somehow, his goodness is going to show up in this moment. His goodness is going to find its way in. Psalms 23, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely I anticipate, I am anticipating that his goodness is about to be made manifest in this situation. Did it happen the way I thought it should the first time? No, but I anticipate that his goodness is on its way. 
I anticipate that his goodness is chasing me down. I anticipate, I have hope in the fact that he is who he says he is. And no matter what my situation looks like, what's happened to this point, my hope is in Christ Jesus. My hope is not in my situation. It's not in my circumstance. It's not in the things that are happening around me. Christ in you is this hope. If you're a born-again believer and you are living this life with Christ inside of you, you have an inward hope that you're going to encounter his goodness, that you get the benefit of living in the goodness of God, the manifested goodness of everything that he is in your life. There's a lot of people in our life church family right now that are just going through some stuff. There's sicknesses, there's financial situations, there's family situations. There's so much happening. We're in, we're in one of those places. I feel like we're like the man in chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, where he's just saying, I came and I thought all this was going to happen, and now it's looking like it's not. We're poised and we're in that place. And I believe God changed what I was going to teach you this morning because we're in that place. And he's here to tell you this morning, have hope. Get your hopes up. All our lives we've been told, well, don't get your hopes up. Don't get your hopes up. That's kind of the, the, the slogan. But I want to change that at Life Church. I want to tell you, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. So whatever you're, if you have a sickness in your body right now, I want you to think about it and have hope. I want you to get your hopes up. If you're, if you're dealing with family situation, get your hopes up. Start realizing that my hope is in him. Man, we got to sharing last night, some of us guys, about when we were growing up in the church I grew up in, they had what they called testimony services. How many of y'all ever come from a church that had just straight up testimony services? And somebody would get up and give a testimony and then the praise team would just tear down. And they'd shout the walls down and then we'd stop and somebody else would say something. And we'd shout it down again. But we got to talking about how a lot of times people weren't actually testifying of the breakthrough in the moment. They were testifying of the hope they had for a breakthrough in their moment. And there's a faith in that. There's a hope in that where I stand and declare, you know what? It looks crazy right now, but I have a marriage based on the Bible. It looks crazy right now, but I have a body that's operating by the design that God made it to operate. It looks crazy right now, but my kids will be serving the Lord. My kids will be born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, serving the Lord. It may look that way now, but my hope says, my hope declares he is more than able. The problem is not if he can do it. He said, if you believe, if you can believe, anything is possible. So Life Church, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. <laughs> I wish I could explain to you the place that God allowed me to go over the last two days in some prayer times here where I believe with everything inside of me and no one could convince me otherwise that I got to go in and begin to hear what God was declaring over some situations. And it allowed me to pray for some personal situations in ways that I've never been able to pray. And when I was taken into that place to begin to declare and pray in this place, hearing what he was saying in heaven. He was declaring hope. 
he was speaking hope into every situation. Go ahead and come up, Scott. He was beginning to show me things. He would show me certain people in our church family, certain situations in our church family, and I could hear the Godhead declaring, there's hope. There's hope. As a matter of fact, at one moment, I need y'all to just, just go with me in your spirit here. At one moment, I could hear the Holy Spirit declaring we have this hope in Jesus Christ. We have this hope in Jesus Christ. I want you to begin to partner with the Holy Spirit this morning right where you're sitting and you begin to declare we have this hope in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.